lifestyles, sports cards, and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building, and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live, and nothing could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards, and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, welcome everybody to episode number 170 of Sports Cards Live. This is dropping on Thursday, January the 26th. My name is Jeremy Lee. I want to thank all of our loyal viewers, podcast listeners, everyone who tunes in. Thank you so much. If you are not yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please take a moment and do so. Special shout out today to Luke Lacardis and the Washington Capitals collaborating on some suicide prevention initiatives. Please support and visit cardsforsydney.com to get involved. Tonight's guest needs no introduction, so let's bring him right out, Gary Vaynerchuk. Welcome to Sports Cards Live. How are you doing, pal? I'm well, brother. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, Gary. It only took me about two and a half years to get you on the show. Welcome. Thank you for making the time. I got to do something somewhat ceremonial right off the bat. I got to grab that, take that off my wall. That's been up there for two and a half years, Gary. I'm very flattered, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. So listen, we don't have a ton of time. I'm going to jump right in. And I want to get your thoughts on the trajectory that the hobby has been through since 2019, the National in 2019, where I first met you through the pandemic to today. What are your thoughts? You know, I think it's an industry that got much broader uh, awareness, much like many industries, sneakers, NFTs, cards, um, anything, social media, like markets. Um, It's a market that I think is in a really healthy, solidified place because it went through its underrated period, potentially its overrated period in this cycle. You know, we had the Maguire era. We had the 80s junk wax era. You have these moments where two, three, four years, but every time you look at it, I find like the industry evolves and gets stronger. Sports cards have been a thing in popular culture for obviously for over a hundred years and have had real understood value now for almost a half a century, right? And so you're gonna like any market, it's gonna have its ebb and flow, contemporary art, antiques, this is coins, stamps, you know, like things have their ebbs and flows. I think this last one was incredibly healthy and incredibly vulnerable, meaning vulnerable because like base cards of like speculative players, you know, you're going to get hurt on that. You're going to get hurt on those kind of things, just like I did with Todd Van Poppel and Brian Thomas, like uh, Brian Taylor, excuse me, that, you know, that's, you saw that happening during this era, which is why I stayed very narrow because I learned in my teens and twenties about that. On the flip side, the amount of people that have come into the industry is extraordinary. And so I think the hobby, and I've been watching the hobby pretty carefully now for the last year, I think it's in a very healthy place where it seems like there's rationale to things versus just hyperbole. Um, and you know that's exciting and, and healthy. And you know I think um, it's been a moment. It, it will be just like I talk about the mid to late 80s and early 90s, right? The upper deck era, just like some people will speak about the Sammy Sosa, McGuire era, right? This is an era that will always be talked about in sports cards. When I'm 90, God willing, on some sort of podcast, maybe in the metaverse and VR, or who the hell knows where technology will be, you know, that 2018 to 22, 19 to 21, 2020, like that will be a thing. Was COVID, that thing that happened back then, a factor? What else was a factor? And so, 
I think that's kind of uh, that's how I see it. Yeah, I completely agree with you that the hobby's in a great place right now. We had a lot of transients come through over the past couple of years, and I think those that stick it out will be successful, and some of them left, and we're in a healthy place, uh, healthier than ever. Those those people that left, they're also chasing real estate, chasing NFT. Like like, And what's great is a lot of people that came in that might have left fell in love. Yeah. Right, like, like people don't talk about that. When an industry gets a lot of awareness, sports is a very revered thing and non-sports cards are always around pop culture, right? Like, you know, like, I'm just pumped to see how many people came in to be passer buyers and day traders, but have actually stayed. You know, because obviously I'm, I'm aware of how present I was during that time and, you know, a lot of people, acquaintances, former high school friends, young kids that followed me on social, so many of them have stayed in a very significant way. You know, for me, what, I mean, I'm, I'm looked at all the auctions this last Friday, looking at, I bid on things, you know, the, you know, the, very recently um, and are making my bets. I just got into a place where my profile got into a place where I realized me sharing things led to a lot of like, you know, like, just speculate, like just people making up story. It just got muckery. And so I was like, look, that's okay. Like, you know, do, does it suck? Cause I want to talk about the things I'm excited about. Sure. But am I, am I able to like execute and go to local card shops almost every weekend? And I'm so pumped for, I was at the national in an aggressive way last year, a lot of V friends stuff, but was buying cards for my collection, picked up another PSA 10 Jordan. Um, I'm also, I'm like soap. I'm like already counting down the days to Chicago. And I'm trying to find some strategies of like how to get back in a little bit more public without people speculating on the cards that I buy. Yeah, I think that's, uh, one of my questions was gonna be, your, with your level of influence, how do you feel about publicly sharing the cards that you are buying and has it changed at all over the past few years? Because I see some of the controversy around you when you do this. And to me, it seems like you like you genuinely love the hobby. I see your passion at the national. I one of the things that attracts me to NFTs is all my wallets are public and people can see that I don't buy and sell. I buy what I want. Like and like the things that I'm excited about are like just very sound players. Like I don't try like I'm not speculating on Bulbul or like, you know, Purdy. You know what I mean? Like I like to me, I learned those lessons in my teenage years. So when I was buying Giannis or LeBron or Jordan or you know Durant, these are like Pele. Like these are not things that are like you know that that was probably what was toughest for me. I didn't anticipate, you know, because I thought everything I was buying was so sound mm -hmm. that it wouldn't feel like. And because I wasn't selling any of it, like I felt pretty confident. But like I get it. Like I mean, Jesus, when there's money involved, there's all sorts of shit going on, and I'm not naive to my, you know, the size and scale of my audience, and so. I'm desperately trying to figure out how to share my passion for it without creating speculation. I have not been able to figure that out. And so I'm trying to, Yeah, yeah. you know? I also have a fairly big baseball practice in Vayner Sports. And like, it's very addicting to like sign a player and then like wanna buy their first Bowmans cause like you're literally that close to it. So, and I think that's pure speculation, no matter how good our draft picks are, you know, a Bowman first is as scary as it gets, especially if you go in the high end. You're spending real money on a very unlikely outcome. Most prospects don't get to where you want them to go. Um, so I don't know. Like, it's, um, I love sports cards. It's something that's been in me my whole life. I'm 
paying actually a lot of attention to it lately because of the calm, pricing feels more appropriate right now. And I'm trying to be thoughtful about it. And like, and I did well, you know, you know, plenty of things that I own because I held everything are way down from their highs like anybody. Yeah. But I also bought early for a lot of stuff. It wasn't like I was buying at the highs or speculating. And so like, whether it's kabooms or vintage basketball cards or like, you know, like I feel pretty good about what I have and I'm excited about, you know, like building on my collection going forward. Great. You said you're paying a lot of attention to right now. You're actually bidding on some cards. I don't know if you're aware, but on, on uh, every night that every one Thursday per month, when PWCC's premier auction ends, I come, I do a live show on this channel with That's Adam cool. Gray at PWCC and we talk about the items. I want to invite you to come check it out. Sit in the, Tune in while you're looking at it. A lot of people do that. It, it's a lot of fun. I Where do you, what, what, what time do you do it at? We go live at 9.30 Eastern because it's the, the extended bidding starts at 10 o'clock Eastern. So we go That's live. We, we, we're, on, Gary, we're on for like three and a half hours talking about all the items. It's a great. It's a lot of fun. So check That's it out. That's super neat. I will check that out one time. Right on. So where do you see the hobby heading in 2023 and beyond? Beyond ebbs and flows like any market that is around collectibles and art and things of that nature, 2023 is impossible because we don't really have a good understanding of the stability or non-stability of the current economy. Like, you know, every day that 10,000 people get laid off at Google and Microsoft and Spotify is another person that makes good money that uses their disposable income to buy like a card that they've always wanted that's taking them off the board. That money comes off the board that ends up dropping the prices and supply and demand. So I think it could be, you know, if you told me cards are down another 30% off their high, I'd be like, uh-huh. If you told me we've hit the floor and you're going to see a 10% increase, I'd be like, uh-huh. Like the logic is there for me to understand either path. I am not a, ma you know, when I got all hot years ago, I just saw seven to 10 trends that were all colliding at the same time. Sneakers was a big part of it. I saw a lot of entrepreneurial sneaker kids not be able to get inventory anymore and were looking for something they could get inventory for. And I saw that clearly. I went to Cleveland National, you know, which was what, 18, right? Uh, 17 or 18. Yeah. yeah 17, right. 17, I think, or 18, right to your point. 17, I think. And I was able to like see it on the ground. I was like, ooh, these kids are like, you know, uh, basketball was ripping hot. You know, there was just like a lot of things happening. They were just also, in, I was buying Luca bases at 30 bucks. It was just like the buy-in was lower. Um, so, you know, I think that, um, I think that that is not what I'm seeing now, which is like, it's super underpriced against demand that was coming. This is more like it's normalized. And now the economic situation will have an impact, you know? And so I would say, I'm guessing down another 30% up a 10 to 20% generalization feels like my super guess of 2023. Uh, but that's all fun. right. Your you guess. know, one comment you just said is that when somebody buys an item, they're now off the board, they don't need it anymore. And that's one of the issues I have with, with relying on comps all the time is, well, yeah, that's the comp, but if the underbidder gets another gets a copy or the, the underbidder isn't competing now with the eventual winner, so the price might come down unless there are new participants and we're getting more and more people who want to buy them. So there's that snowball effect of 
the hobby growing, more participants coming in. We've surely experienced that between 19 and 22. Now we're kind of in a place where we're hoping to to uh, retain as many of these people as we can. That's the challenge of the hobby that I have a lot of empathy for, which is demand creation versus purity. You know, I have so much empathy. If you're a pure collector, literally have no thought of ever selling your cards, spike up moments are disappointing because the things you want go up. If you're an investor, which you're allowed to be, that I always thought was super interesting, like that people in the hobby on any direction, like I hated when people that day traded and flipped would make fun of collectors. I'm like, why? Who are you to tell people what they want to do? But also on the flip side, if you're a collector, you know, what do you want? Like dictatorship? Like you don't want people to be allowed to buy something and sell it? Like it's really, it's really hard and I'm empathetic depending on what side someone sits on it, but you know, to me, it's kind of like the baseball issue. The culture of baseball didn't allow Bryce Harper to like build the sports popularity. The humility and the tradition of baseball and hockey is a direct correlation to its popularity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing I was fascinated by with sports cards is like, oh, there's a lot of like, you know, it's almost like people want certain things from, individuals or organizations that bring awareness to the hobby, but they don't want other things. And that's just not how life works. Like, you know, we don't get to pick and choose like, and so like, yeah, like that's what, you know, that's what happens. Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna tear down companies, media properties, organizations, individuals that are bringing awareness to the hobby, you know, there's going to be an effect on how much new, attention is on the hobby and that you know impacts supply and demand curves and that might be a good thing or that might be a bad thing i don't really i you know i'm very detached for the from the gary v of it all i'm overly empathetic to people that make up stories about me like i'm, I'm being that serious it's because they love it like when some kid was that i knew was like telling somebody else like I bought a bunch of Zions and I'm unloading them. And I never bought a single Zion because I had a big thesis that he was too injury prone mm -hmm. and it was too high risk. And plus Panini printed an ungodly amount of product that year is my thought. You know, he was like Ken Griffey Jr. to me if everything went well, you know? Yeah. Um, that's like disappointing, but like I'm empathetic. Why? Like people come from a place of scarcity and fear. Um, so for me, it's been easy, but I've watched a lot of people leave a lot of companies leave because there's a lot of tearing down in the hobby just like there is in every part like yeah. i don't think the hobby or the industry has any more tearing down than others i just think it's small yeah small like when you, in politics when you keep tearing down politics are big in social media those are big in wall street they're big in sports cards if you turn away 13 to 50 organizations or people that could have an impact yeah yeah, for sure. So as we as we wrap up, just one or two more minutes, Gary, you mentioned you'll be at the National in Chicago in July, August. Are you going to be at the Mint Collective or the Burbank show in February? No, I'm like, my schedule is really tough. I want to get to a Dallas show that's been on. I really want to get to a Dallas show. I'm going to some local shows in Jersey and New York. Nice. I'm just between family allocation. Like, I think people forget that I run a 2000 person company in VaynerX. V Friends is a real, real you know, time constraint. I got a lot to do there with building out that intellectual property. 
uh, I'm, the, the card stuff I've been, by the way, th that's been super fun for me. The cards and be friends, like two passions of mine colliding has been super fun. But the Nationals, a commitment that I like lock in. Um, and then like, I really want to get to one Dallas show this year. That was like a priority of mine, maybe the fall. And then I'm going to like the Westchester and like Northern Jersey stuff. So keeping a, you know, trying to, and honestly, very like, I kind of like, at this point in my life, it's a little bit of like this, you know, like I'm trying to, I just, honestly, I just want to provide value and I don't want to provide distraction. And I was really happy with the value I was able to create. But then at some point I'm empathetic that it became a little bit bigger. And then like, I don't, I have no interest in creating anything that people perceive as negative. So I'm trying to stay pretty incognito in those shows. And then at the national, I want to bring as many people from my universe to the national because yeah, they may want to come and take a selfie with me, but I'm hoping it leads to them discovering the love of this. And they pick up a Nolan Ryan rookie from that dealer or they, you know, that, that, that was incredibly satisfying for me in the last couple of years, people literally just coming, driving three hours to Atlantic city to ask me a business question. They come, they take a selfie business question. And then four hours later, like no interest in cards. And then four hours later, they came back to my table and they're like, I bought this. I was like, you bought a Tom Seaver rookie card? It was my favorite picture when I was like, like that's when I'm like, oh, I'm having a positive impact on the market. Right on. Well, I saw your booth at the Nationals last year. It was low key. It was great. Your passion exudes uh, from me as a lifelong passionate collector. Do me one favor before we sign off. Give a shout out to my buddy, Jason. We call him the worm dog. He's a big fan of yours. Worm dog. Thank you for the love. I hope I see you a bunch of times at these shows and throughout the upcoming years, my friend. Right on. Thanks a lot for joining, Gary. Have a great yeah. one. Take care. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.